for those who love it loud. Pantheon Podcast presents Rockin' Pod Weekend. Nashville, March 17th through the 19th. It's a rock convention featuring panels, interviews, podcasts, signing sessions, vinyl, comic books, pop culture, and collectibles. Over 50 celebrity guests, including members of Mr. Big, Tough, Great White, Keel, Winger, Accept, and Twisted Sister. Live concerts including Rare Hair on Friday, Keel Fest 2 on Saturday, and Eric Martin's Big Acoustic on Sunday. Plus a rockin' comedy show featuring Courtney cronin Dold, Don Jameson from That Metal Show, and Craig Gass from The Howard Stern Show, and a whole lot more. Full details at rockinpod.com. Rockin' Pod Weekend is presented by Pantheon Podcasts in association with RFK Media, Third Power Amplification, and BobbyDreyer.com. Welcome to the Rock and Metal Combat Podcast with Dr. Fuck and the Ayatollah of Alcohola, Ian Wadley, better known as Wadzilla. So enjoy another awesome, incredible episode of the Rock and Metal Combat Podcast. Bam, 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 diddly dee. Hey, smack a gob. I am Ralph Vieira, also known as Dr. Fuck. And with me is... Oh, yeah! I'm just going by Wadzilla, baby. How you doing, Ralph? Yeah, your real name is Ian Wadley. Yeah, I said that because I know the mob's after you. Oh, shit. Cat's out the bag. Well, let me be the first one to say it, Ian. You ready? I'm going to be the first one to say it. Ready? Yeah. Rest in peace, my friend. Oh, I hear it. And you know what? And you heard by the commercial, you know where they're going to catch up with me. At Rocket Pod. Yeah. Rocket. Yeah. You heard the Golden Throat commercial. Everybody get your ass to Rocket Pod if you want to hang out with us. Even though it's presented by Pantheon Podcast. We're not part of Pantheon. Uh, we're down in the gutter. And I like it like that. Pantheon these nuts. <laughs> you right. Yeah. But hey, fuck it. As long as they flip in the bill... I'm excited to be there. I want to see everybody, man. If you can make it, there's still time. Plan that trip. That's the great thing about Nashville. It's kind of centrally located in the colonies here. So it's, it's, you know, middle ground. And everybody show up and party with us and witness not only my demise, but the demise of Mark Allen Taylor. <laughs> Hey, by the way, speaking of Mark Allen Taylor, I got I got to bring this up. Yeah. Freeform Rock Podcast, check it out. I said that, not Ian. Ian doesn't want to be associated with that, and I don't blame him. <laughs> well, you know, I I really didn't want to be associated, you know, when Lee Gertzman was there, but now that Lee's gone, uh, that that takes everything away. Even though who joined him now? Our friend Chuck Charles. I believe the new co-host. I believe so. Chuck Charles is now the pose. Okay, well, no Bill Ward, no Black Sabbath, uh, no Lee Gertzman, no Freeform. No, fuck That's that. No, no Terrence, no Freeform. <laughs> yeah. Oh, shit. But, uh, yeah, yeah, check out what we're going to do to Mark Allen Taylor, because uh, he probably is going to die. <laughs> Yeah, but you haven't run by you haven't run past me not even once what we're doing to Mark Allen Taylor. 
Oh, it's going to be spontaneous. It's going to be, I mean, the end result will be the same, but uh, I don't know. That man is probably going to die of alcohol poisoning. Uh, Either that or, you know, or, or, you know, we're going to make him snort, you know, leaded gas. The thing is, Ian, I'm not doing anything to him. If you want to, do it. But you know what? In my heart of hearts, I can't do any harm to Mark Alden Taylor because I don't know if you heard the news. Mark Alden Taylor. What's that? Mark Alden Taylor is is going to pay $100 for that Van Gina live album that's coming out on Record Store Day. I I feel bad. What? Yeah. I, I, I didn't hear uh, what they're putting out that right here, right now on Record Store Day. Yeah, on vinyl for $100, and Mark Alden Taylor's paying that. Oh, shit. Well, yeah, he's dead. He's dead. No. He's dead. Well, you, to you, you can do what you want. I feel bad for somebody that would pay $100 for a Vangina album. I don't like hitting retarded people. Yeah. Well, you know, his, his wife said, you know, if I help off them, we could split the $100 life insurance policy. You know, 50 bucks goes a long way, so he's toast. No, that's he's toast. That, that, that $100 is going back into his credit card after he pays for that Van Giant. No, but the great thing is I'm going to turn around I'm going to sell that shit to Bushy for 500 Yeah. You know, I want to make my money. I don't even think Bushy, man, dude, I wouldn't even pay $100 for any album. I don't give a fuck who they are. $100, dude, I mean, come on. For a vinyl? Oh, it's four vinyls, so what? 100 bucks, are you fucking high? There's no way, I don't care, I don't care if it's David Lee Roth with Van Halen, four albums set for 100 bucks, fuck you. I ain't paying that. Ugh. And, and, and what's the shit you sent me? Uh, Bushy says, uh, OU812 is better than Fair Warning. Yeah, and then, we got, uh, this we got to talk about this shit. Yeah, this is another podcast I want to plug because this episode's so good. I highly recommend you listen to this again. Uh, Rock All Over You podcast had Bushy on for OU812. And here's the thing uh, the great uh, Canastracci thinks. No, man, he's telling the truth. Bussy's telling the truth. He genuinely believes that. And maybe you think that. Maybe people think that. But I know, because actually the truth of the matter is, there's no way that guy thinks OU812 is better than Fair Warning. He's just saying that to stir the pot. See, Bushy, like Mark, who denies it constantly, they get very bothered by the Hagar hate. And you can hear it on that Rock All Over You podcast, how Bushy's always like, you guys don't like Hagar, but you like this. I mean, he's totally crying. And, and that alone just shows, and, and Bushy, I love you, dude, but I know, I'm seeing right the fuck through you. There's no way, I mean, no way. I understand you like an OUA one too. That I get, I understand 100%. But by you saying it's better than fair warning, you know you don't believe that shit. There's just no way. There's no fucking way possible. I don't even, dude, not even Sammy Hagar likes OU812 more than Fair One. Come on. I, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm in Bushy's corner on this. I believe he is that damaged uh, that he thinks that. I think you're damaged too to think that he thinks that. We Check- shall see, because. 
Yeah, ch- but check out that episode. It's fucking hilarious. Yeah. And, and then after we're done killing uh, Mark Allen Taylor, uh, we can take out Bushy, too. You know, his, his, his daughter gave me 10 bucks to do that. So, you know, I'm up to like 60 now. As I told you, I feel bad about Mark. You do Mark, I do Bushy. I don't care about Bushy. With that lie, he deserves to die. Well, you know, either way, we're both getting laid. They're like Sammy Hagar, so, you know, they both take it in the ass. Yeah. We'll be all right. Well, they get laid. <laughs> Bye. <Yeah. laughs> oh, God. Well, here's some good news uh, for our audience. Well, and for us. I'm taking care of two things tomorrow that uh, I've been long putting off, but we are going to finalize tomorrow. I'm going to finalize our deal with Manscaped. All right. So we can make some money. And also, we are going to finally, finally, finally make available Rock and Metal Combat Podcast t-shirts. Whoa. Yeah, that is going to be done tomorrow. Uh, Something I wanted to talk to you about. I'm weird about shirts that don't have anything on the back. How do you feel about that? Um, You know what? I am fine with a shirt for the podcast with nothing in the back. I'm fine with that. A band is different. But, you know, I'm I'm me. Yeah. I'm weird. But, But, yeah... I don't mind it just being on the phone, but if you want to put something in the back, like, you know, it, uh, you know what would be great for the back now I think about it? Have... What's that? Ch- have just uh, coattails and you hanging on to it. <laughs> that should be the well, back of the shirt. I'll, I'll have to see what the, the, you know, what the price differential would be for that. I was thinking about, you know, the classic logo for the podcast on the front. And uh, on the back, I was thinking about putting Ask Your Mother. Ask your mother? Yeah. How about fuck your mother? Well, here's what I'm thinking. You know, if we put fuck your mother, I, I think that might limit our sales because you got some, like, like Stephen Kirsch would never wear that out, you know, during Ramadan or whatever the fucking Jews celebrate. Uh, you know what I mean? Uh, I think if we put that, it might limit sales, but ask your mother, uh, you know, because we all know what it means. Or or should we just do the logo on the front? You know? Uh, you know what? Either one's fine with me. Either one's fine? Yeah. Okay. Well, maybe we can put up, like, two options. You know, they might get one, you know, a, a, a cheaper one that just has the logo on the front. And then on the back, ask your mother. Your mother. Uh, or the yeah. Or the more expensive one with the logo on the front and the tailcoats and you on the back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that's like the deluxe edition. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, those things I am going to address tomorrow. So hopefully those will be out very soon. Uh, looking forward to that. And hopefully you guys are too. Yeah, you better buy the shirts. I'm getting one for free, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. All right. Yeah. The perks. The perks of being a <laughs> bitch boy on the show. Yeah, the perks of the tales. Yeah. All right. Well, now let's go into the news. Uh-oh. It's, wait, I got a theme song for the news. Ready? Okay. Here we go. 
opportunity and it's the news. That's it. All right. All right. News. I like that. Uh, this is a very exciting story. I'm very happy to read. Uh, but I'm just going to read the headline because that's all you need to know. Shannon Larkin explains why Lighting Up the Sky will likely be Godsmack's final album. Oh, God, what a terrible band. Yeah, don't care. I'm just happy about it. I'm ashamed that Shannon Larkin is in Godsmack because I, I do think he's a fine drummer uh, that just sold it all for a fucking paycheck. But, man, anything to stop new Godsmack music? Yeah, music but- to my ears. Let me tell you something. I saw Godsmack. Not that I wanted to. But they opened for Rob Zombie in Las Vegas. And I was over there in Vegas. My parents had a free ticket. So I went. I met Rita that night. You know, Tara Dimebag Girl. Um, anyway, so I go to the show. Oh, nice. Yeah, I go to the show and I see Godsmack. And you know what? The singer's a great drummer. Because in the middle of the yes. show, in the middle of the show, he got on the drums and they did YYZ, which was pretty good. I mean, not as good as Rush, but it was okay for Godsmack. But unfortunately, unfortunately after that, they went back to the original song. Yes, I I will agree that. I did see a video uh, where they did that. I was like, you know, I got to admit, you know, it's not that bad at like dueling drums a little bit. Yeah, the original music is fucking horrible. And if this is going to be their last album, I think that's great. No new Godsmack music. Very happy here. And plus, that singer said something bad about Nikki Six from Motley Crue. Oh, my God. Yeah, cry like a bitch. <laughs> yeah, that was it. Now, you the song about yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah, that was cool. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I never, I, 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 yeah. I never yeah. heard that song, but you know, that's cool. Yeah. N- neither did I. Neither did I. But yeah, it is funny. He did write a song called Cry Like a Bitch. Uh, <laughs> Oh my god, I can't remember that fucking tour. It was something for like an anniversary for Dr. Feelgood. And I think Motley played the the whole album, even Time for a Change. Oh god. Yeah, and it was it was Godsmack and like a couple other horrible bands. Might have been like Lincoln Park or something that's just like Lincoln Park. It was all like horrible bands. Well I guess all horrible bands because Motley Crue was on there too. <laughs> Yeah, but, but uh, you know what? I saw that was Crew Fest, like Crew Fest two or three. I went to Crew Fest one. For yeah, three. I went for free, and I was very close. And the opening acts for that, six a.m. Um, Ugh. yeah, what's that shitty band? Uh, Buck Cherry, Papa Roach, and Motley Crue. Oh God, it was horrible. I mean, sitting through all the shit. I noticed. The, the the singer of Buck Cherry was wearing some Iron Maiden sneakers, which was odd. That's how close I was, you know? I was like, dude, those are Iron Maiden sneakers. They suck. Yeah, but but the fucked up thing is they were virtual 11 Iron Maiden sneakers. <laughs> oh, God. Uh, well, Mike Tramp says that Vito Brada and I don't want a White Lion reunion. And uh, I agree with both of these guys. I don't want one either. But something I, you know, I, I'm perplexed about is is all this shit about Vito Brada, Vito Brada. Uh, you know, I was coming up during, you know, when White Lion was considered big. And 
even at that time, they weren't like big, big. Uh, you know, they were always a footnote, a side note. But it gets all this attention just because of a recluse that, you know, Vito Brada is. And, you know, I think it's funny. I, I think it's, it's much like the Vinnie Vincent thing. Uh, the mystery and the story is much more interesting than the actual guitar player. I mean, yeah, Vinnie's done some great shit, but it, I, you know, if it wasn't, if he would have kept himself out there, nobody would give a shit. It's just the story behind it. And I think that's what it really is with Vito Brada, because even at their height, I never remember like anybody like, oh, Vito Brada, Vito Brada. You know, it's, people make way too much of a big deal about what an incredible guitar player he is. I never, granted, I've, I've never owned a White Lion album. I've only heard the singles. But I've never heard one thing that made me think, wow, this guy reinvented the guitar. You know, or Vito Brada saved White Lion. <laughs> you know, kind of thing. It's like, I don't know who gives a shit other than uh, uh, Tim Bream. <laughs> you know? But you got to admit, there's there's this whole thing around Vito Brada. Is it, do you think he's a good guitar player or it's just because he, he walked away? I think he's a great guitar player. Um, but, I mean, as far as technical, technically he's great, but writing solos and shit like that, he's very non-memorable. I like the first White Lion fight to survive. I thought it was okay. Um, and I got that way after the fact from somebody, t- you know, have you heard Fight to Survive? No. And he's like, then you can't say why no. that sucks until you hear that out. I'm like, okay. And he burned it for me. And I was like, okay. I mean, it's not something I'd run out and buy, but it wasn't terrible compared to that. Wait, wait, tell me, baby. Oh, my God. When the children cry. Oh, my God. What a fucking horrible band. See, yeah. this, this shows you how little my opinion is of, is of White Lion. I think the best thing I ever heard from them was the wait. <laughs> you know? Oh. Ugh. Oh, that song, man. I remember it was on Headbanger's Ball every fucking week when that was new. It's like, wait, no, I'm not. So I go watch the Howard Stern nine, uh, Channel 9 show. Oh, yes. The best. When Stern was awesome. All right. Yeah. That was that was the best. I would I would watch I would tape Howard Stern and watch Headbangers Ball. Yeah. And luckily, I still have all those Howard Stern Channel Nine shows because that. Oh my God, that they were so good, and that's when Stern didn't give a fuck, wasn't trying to kiss anybody's ass. And, he's man, all, he's all woke now and shit. Yeah, and it's it sucks. There's moments of old Howard, but most of it is like. Yeah, but back then, I mean, you had Jackie and, oh, God, Stuttering John. Uh, th- that show was priceless. Priceless. And I, I wish there would be, like, some, like, Blu-ray release of that, you know, like, high quality. I've got decent quality of all the episodes. Um, but, man, that was that was something else. A lot better than When the Children Cry. I'll I, say that. I turned to the mall on DVD. Nice. Nice. All right. Well, Dave Ellison uh, reunited with early Megadeth guitarist Greg Handebit. Who? Uh, yeah, exactly. Greg Handebit. 
he was in the band before they even recorded Killing Is My Business. Uh, he was a friend of Ellipson's. I believe they moved from uh, Minnesota together to L.A. And, and he was, or, you know, in the first incarnations of Megadeth. Uh, but then clearly, Ellipson said he wasn't up to snuff, kicked them out. They got Chris Poland. Um, but he joined them in Minneapolis for a performance of, wait for it, Jump in the Fire. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's that's uh, Ellison's way to say F you, Dave. Yeah. Oh, my God. This whole thing is a big F you to Dave. Uh, but there, there's just something like, I don't know, there's something I like about it, and then there's something so sad about it. It's like, you're performing all these songs that, yeah, you were there, but you didn't write them. And, and, and then you bring out an early Megadeth guitarist, and then you play a song he wrote when he was with Metallica. Uh, I don't know, it just reeks of desperation. You know, you that, know, you know what it reeks of? What's that? Slow news week. <laughs> but uh, apparently they were talking about how, you know, they've released a Blu-ray or DVD of a performance they did at, I believe, at the Whiskey A Go-Go. Uh, but they even said they made no money off of it because all the money goes to Ellison due to the songwriting credits and everything. So, uh, yeah, it's just kind of sad. And then there was another story earlier in the week that uh, where Jeff Young said they're playing all these songs off the first two albums that Mustaine can't play anymore or can't sing. Oh, shut up. Uh, yeah, and I, and I thought that was weird. It's like, oh my God. Jeff Young is such a minor footnote in Megadeth history. Well, I'm still very vocal, but I love So Far So Much So Far. I really do. Um, I, don't, I, don't but, know if, I don't know if he knows about Jeff Young, but boy, he's got super thin skin. Want me to tell you a story about Jeff Young? Go ahead. He used to be on Sea of Tranquility with Pete Parton. He's no longer. Really? Yeah, he's. Yeah, you can punch it off like they talked about Cheap Trick. A couple things. I gotta say, maybe two years ago or something like that. Well, he quit doing the Pete Pardo show because, get ready for this, the comments to the videos offended him. Are you serious? Yeah. Because Pete Pardo then did an episode. Say, look, man, it's not cool. Jeff doesn't want to come on no more with your dumb comments. He made a whole episode about it. Like, stop with these stupid comments. And then, wow. and, and Dave Ellis is like, I don't want to do your show no more. They're, they're making fun of me. Oh, man. Yep. Yeah, that sucks. That sucks. I will say, you know, the videos I saw of it, it's not bad. I like the guy that they got doing the Dave shit. Um, but, but, you know, but, Ian, but Ian, why does it, what does it even matter? It's fucking cover songs. You're not watching yeah. a band up there. You know, you're watching a band, a cover band with, all right, Dave Ellison there, then Jeff Young. But dude, it's, you don't have the stain on that stage. It's gonna, it's not gonna fill yeah. It's not gonna fill clubs. Period. Yeah. What, what do you think about this new show that's coming up in Japan where Marty Feldman's coming out? Well, I'd love to see it. 
so I'm sure it'll be up on Blabberlove the next day, which, you know, I want to make a little public announcement that Ian does not at all agree with me on this, but I, and I haven't spoken about this, but I think it's time I speak out for people that film shows with their phones that Ian has. <laughs> yeah, yes. I'm here to protect them, and I'll tell you why. I'm here to protect them. Well, uh, number one, yes, it's not cool if you're short. That I understand. My condolences to short people, because they fuck up shows for short people. I'm not short. I can look over anything. Or turn to the side. Doesn't bother me. What bothers me is people yelling in my ear the lyrics of the song while they're shit-faced drunk. That I hate. But anyway, this is... That's, that's me. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I hate you. But I love people that open up their phones and film shows. And this is why I love them. Because Marty Freeman is going to be in Japan, play with Megadeth, some Jap is going to record it and put it up on YouTube the next day so all of us can enjoy, including you, Ian. You get curious when you want to see shit. Oh, let me go watch this. This happened last night. Yeah, it happened because of a guy with his phone in the audience. Thank you. Well, this this is going to be a live stream that you can pay to uh, watch if you're interested. Okay. It's going to be professionally recorded. Oh, okay. Then, then I'm sorry, Ian. <laughs> no, no, no need to apologize. Uh, I, I think it's interesting, though. He's just coming out for the Encores, uh, and it, it's a big pay-per-view they're trying to sell. Uh, so, so Marty's got to do Tornado of Souls. He's got to do that one. Yeah, there's been a lot of discussion about like what three songs it's going to be. And uh, I, yeah, I'm I'm thinking it's going to be at least two off of Rust and maybe one off of Countdown. Uh, hopefully, it's nothing off Risk. Uh, but I, I wondered what his financial compensation is for this too, because it is a big thing that they're they're showing. They're trying to get everybody to buy this pay per view. And you know, Marty even said in the past the reason he didn't when they were trying to do a Rest in Peace. Reunion, he said the money wasn't there, so he didn't do it. He's very vocal about that. So I, th I think obviously he's getting he's getting a good kick down to do this. Uh, but I'm wondering if it is successful and it blows up. Do you think this is like a gateway for his return, or do you think it's just a one-off? Well, I don't know. I mean, I love Kiko, but uh, I don't know. Maybe. All I know is I'm seeing Marty Freeman soon. Oh, yeah? Yeah, he's coming down here opening for Queensryche. I'm going to go to that. Okay. Well, I'd go see I'd go see him open up for Queensryche. Um, but I, I'm not a huge Marty Freeman fan, you know? I'd, I'd take Chris Poland any day over... Well, over Freeman, but uh, you know, and his solo shit that hasn't done a lot for me. I wasn't big into like cacophony or anything like that. Um, I think people over glorify that that era, glorify, I should say. Um, but it is what it is. I'm glad he's doing it. I love his band Hawaii. That was before cacophony. First thing, that shit ruled. Uh, yeah. Was it like just shred shit or? It was metal as fuck, man. No, it wasn't really shreddy. 
I mean, yeah, there was shredding, but it's not like a guitar. <laughs> You know, like huh. it was a fucking heavy ass band, man, called White. They were, I think I've heard of it. Never checked it out, though. They were from Hawaii. Gotcha. All right. Well, since I, I hate the Hawaiians like you hate the fucking French. What? Nah, I'm just kidding. Oh, okay. Okay, I'm like, what the fucking Hawaiian does it do? Have you ever met a Hawaiian? What a Hawaiian dude? They run around and punch people. You don't remember those commercials? Well, I, I once got drunk with Don Ho. You know. But we had so many tiny bubbles. Uh, you know, it was a good night. Good Don, times. Don Ho, the only person that lived in Hawaii. <laughs> I really don't well, think anybody else. I never met a Hawaiian. I think he's the only one that. <laughs> well, they, they are elusive. Uh, you know, not as much as black Eskimos, but, you know, they're there. True story. Fucking Hawaiians. <laughs> All right. Well, a sad story, I guess. Uh, former Running Wild guitarist Michael. Mick Jack Monty Cooper died at 65. Yeah. Are you a fan of, of Running I Wild? Love uh, Gates. No, uh, Jolly Ranch. Jolly Ranch. Uh, God damn it! I own it on vinyl. Jolly Ranch, some shit. Awesome album. Pirate metal, man. They're fucking awesome. Yeah, they had a couple other good ones too, but that's the only one I own. Under Jolly Roger. That's the name of the album. And. Another one I forgot I had, another one that it's called Gates of Purgatory. That's a real good album, too. I know a couple other ones, but I don't remember, you know, but those are the only two I own. Yeah, they're a German band, if I remember correctly. Uh, maybe, yeah, I don't know. I'll check it out. All right, well, next story. No, they're fucking Hawaiian. Oh, okay, well, I like them already. Uh, Akuna Matata, motherfucker. Uh, next story. Death Leopard's Joe Elliott doesn't believe including three brand new songs in a 90-minute set is overindulgent. Um, I would agree. What is is playing that many songs off of Hysteria and ignoring your first two albums. Yeah, no shit. Oh, my God. Who the fuck goes and sees Death Leopard in this day and age? Freeform Rock Podcast. Another plug for Mark who goes and sees Death and Life. Oh. Oh, God. Oh, God. I don't know what's worse. Uh, probably the, the three new Death Leopard songs or the Hysteria show. It's probably about what and what. Yeah, it's pretty much tied. Oh, God. All right. Well, Twisted Sisters' J.J. French says he doesn't begrudge bands who use backing tracks during live shows. And uh, I don't know, I thought, actually, as I read the article, I thought he made a lot of sense. If you know they're doing this and you don't give a shit, then whatever, you know? If you, if you just want to see it, like, yeah, at this point, everybody knows what KISS is doing. And if you choose to go and see it and you're fine with that, you know, whatever. You know, and if you're not fine with that, stay at home. And, you know, he, he brought up some interesting things in the interview. Uh, 
you know, that I've kind of pieced together that I've heard throughout the years. I've seen some videos lately uh, talking about recent, you know, and by recent, I mean over the last 10 years, like Rolling Stone shows, where they're showing what Keith Richards is doing and the sound that's coming out and it not matching up at all. Um, you know, it's saying there's people behind the scenes and I get it, you know, Keith is in his 70s or 80s or whatever by now. Um, but, uh, you know, I think it sucks, but, you know, if, if you know, if this is a band that's being talked about, like, hey, they're doing this, they're doing that, and you know that, and you still don't give a fuck because you just want to see them and relive your youth and do all that, um, I don't know, I, I don't agree with it, I think it sucks. But at this point, a lot of these bands, it's all about nostalgia. It, it, it's not about what's going on now. You go see these bands, you don't give a fuck about the songs they're recording now. It, it's all about the old shit. And if they can't play it or sing it anymore, you know, they, they fake it enough. What sucks is what it costs now, you know, to go to one of these shows. And you're not even seeing a legit live show. But if you know all that and you still decide to go, who's to blame? What do you think? Um, people don't... Look, I saw Wasp and I heard tapes. But I heard his voice, too, with the tapes. Uh, you know, I know a lot of people won't agree with this, but I don't mind that. As long as there's some live vocals coming out of the singer, if there's enhancement in the background, whatever. I don't care. I don't care. As long as I hear him sing, you know? Which, you know, I mean, honestly, I don't know why he uses a little tin tune. He sounds fine on his own. But I guess to fill out the sound, I don't know, the whole black thing. Now, Paul Stanley, on the other hand, it's not so much the tape and the syncing that's making me not go. I mean, come on. I mean, it's fucking scab kids, tired set list, same bullshit over and over. I refuse. Well, it's not going to happen now, but, you know, the end of the road tour. And I refused to go to those end of the road tour, and I didn't go. Now you know after the end of the road tour, they're gonna come back, and I'm not. Yeah. Gonna, I'm not gonna go to that. Oh, there's more road on this end of the road uh, tour. That's what that one's gonna be called. I'm not gonna go even then. You know, I, it's just I don't know. I just don't care about Kiss. So the backing tracks is not the reason I wouldn't go see them. But if a band comes and they have added tapes with live singing me personally i know a lot of people won't agree with this me personally i don't care zazi singing fuck it i don't care yeah i'm, I'm kind of in the same boat as you um at this point i care more about setless than i do uh shit like that i mean it sucks you know i don't think it's great but you know, for a band like Kiss, like you said, it's the same boring set list. Uh, you know, you just saw what Motley Crue did and, and other bands. It's the same old songs. If you're not giving me anything new for what it costs to go to a show these days, uh, you know, you get drunk and buy a t-shirt. I mean, it's like a small loan. Uh, you know, unless you're bringing me something for the real fans. If it's just something for Mark Allen Taylor, I could give a shit less, you know? Yeah. He would be happy to go see 
Death Leopard and see a predictable set list. Me, if, you know, if they're not playing anything off the first two albums, nah, I, I don't give a shit. But, you know, a lot of the bands that we love are in their 60s and 70s. Uh, you know, and another thing is, it isn't like this is brand new. I mean, look, look as far back to the 80s where you would have keyboardists off stage behind a curtain playing. Uh, you know, you would have, you know, backing vocals behind the stage. You know, shit we know now, we didn't know then. But, uh, you know, it sucks. I would like a warts and all show. Um, but it is what it is. Unless you see an artist that changes it from night to night. And those are the artists I have the most respect for. Because they really have to keep it on their fucking toes. They have to know their catalog. And you can't choreograph everything. But if it's one of those tours where, you know, the, the set list is not going to change from the first night to the last night, and they'll always use the excuse, well, we have pyro and we have this, so we can't deviate from said plan. No, fuck that. You know, I, I like the artists that go out there like, I'm going to play this song tonight, you know, or we're not going to repeat. We're doing multi-nights and we're not going to repeat this. But... It is what it is. We've got a short shelf life of the bands we want to see anymore, really. I mean, really, are, is there any band in your in their 20s or 30s that you give a shit about besides Wild Stallions? Uh, you know, I don't know. I went to a show tonight that was fucking phenomenal. Oh, yeah? What'd you see? Deceased. They're from... Oh, no. they, dude, they've been around for like 30 years and they're from North Carolina. Anyway, and I gotta tell you the funniest story. The singer of Deceased, King Fowley, awesome dude. So King gave me a shout out up on stage and even shouted out my YouTube channel. And I was like, man, it's awesome, you know? And then after the show, I'm talking to King and he says, dude, my wife gets so mad at me late at night because I watch her shit. I can't, I can't stop, <laughs> he goes, I can't stop watching you because everything you say is so retarded and you have the worst taste in music, dude. And I love that. <laughs> and he goes, I love watching that. You know, fucking Ace Frehley, give me a break. That's the worst member of Kiss. And he just, it, it, he's hysterical. He's a funny ass dude. And yeah, that, that was awesome, man. King Fowley rules. That's funny. Ace Frehley's the worst member of KISS. Everybody knows it's Peter Chris. Everybody knows it's all four. <laughs> Good point. <laughs> That's funny. I like that. That's a good one. That's an equal. equal. Oh, man. Oh, well, here's a funny story. Brian May says, Freddie Mercury would have wanted us to continue. And I believe that because Freddie Mercury would want everybody to know that clearly he was the talent in that band. Because, uh, oh my God, this shit they keep doing with that drag queen, Adam Lambert. I saw oh. it. Did you? Did yeah. I, I saw that show. Yeah. I, I think you said you loved it too, right? I love the band. That guy sucks. Adam Lambert. Dude, I walked out. Uh, yeah. 
Yeah, the reason I walked out because uh, Max Sabbath, the McDonald's Black Sabbath cover band, was playing, and I left kind of early to go see Max Sabbath. But I went to Queen for free. The yeah, Brian May's awesome, dude. Roger Taylor still plays good. Eh, back and bad ones, all right. But that guy, that singer, man, the way he prances and the way he acts, yeah, he can sing. If he was up there just fucking stop being this glamour queen, he was annoying to watch, dude. It was really hard. Really fucking hard. Yeah, I, I, uh, it's about the same to me as, uh, Sammy Hagar front Van Halen. Like, nope. <laughs> you know, it's like, I, like who's, the, who's this fruitcake you got out front here? No, it ain't the same. No, Sammy Hagar's even worse because at least Queen played old songs. Yeah, you got a point there. Yeah. You got a point. All right, well, next story. Metallica's St. Anger makes Rolling Stone's list of 50 generally horrible albums by brilliant artists. That's odd that uh, Rolling Stone magazine got something right for a change. Would you, would you honestly say that is their worst album? Uh, yeah. Yeah, I'll even take Death Pathetic over that. And the loads. And I'm not a fan of those either. But yeah, St. Anger is unlistenable to me. I, I, the, all the songs, not even not, not even the production, all the songs are so whacked out. They're like not coherent and they're all over the place. And it's just, it doesn't sound like Metallica either. You know, that's another thing. It's like, who is this band? With this tin, uh, tin, tin can drum and... And these songs that just are not cohesive, man. They're just all over the place and they suck. Yeah, that is their worst album. At least loads and maybe, I, well, at least Death Pathetic sounds like a Metallica record. You know, and loads, I like a couple songs off both of them. So, well, one song off Reload. That album is just so bad. And, uh, yeah. I, uh, by the way, I went to church today. I, I don't know if you know this, but for the past 20 years, I've been, uh, you know, going to see, uh, give respects to my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And while oh, I was Lord. there, yeah, while I was there, I was like, hey, man, since I'm here, I'm going to do my confession. So I went in the booth, told the priest all my confession stuff, and then he said, three, eight, Hail Marys and eat an edible. So I'm very stoned right now. Nice. Yeah, I'm high on an edible. <laughs> well, I, I gotta say, um, I don't know. I don't know what I would rank worst. Say Anger or Load and Reload. I, I really do look at Load and Reload as one album. Um, I, I think there's an argument for, for both of them as far as worst. Uh, I don't want to listen to it any three of them but uh I, I do like that and then i saw that, uh i guess also on the, the rolling stone list was a madonna album and, and they've been bombarded by uh madonna fans bitching like how dare you put this on a horrible album list and uh i don't know the madonna song i heard off that album sucked and uh yeah san anger sucks too although i do like the last song all within my hands. And I think that's why I would give the nod to St. Anger over Load and Reload. 
Because I think All Within My Hands is better than any song on Load or Reload. I don't know but, if I made it that far to that record, to tell you the truth. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's the last song. It's the last song. I, I can see, because there's so much horrible shit on the way to get there. You know, it's a terrible journey. Um, but that was the one song I remember when I bought that. I'll never forget, when I bought St. Anger, I went in there to buy uh, David Lee Roth. Um, whoa, whoa. It was the one after the DLR band album. It was, it was a horrible David Lee Roth album. It's the one that was like half covers and yeah, half, the one where, where he's sitting in the chair. I have it on vinyl. Oh, oh, unopened. Yeah, <laughs> I hear you there. I'm a complete. Uh, but yeah, so I went in there to buy that at Best Buy. They didn't have it, and they had this huge display for Saint Anger, and I was like. You know what? I, I just turned my back on this band for so many years. I was like, let me give it a try. And I bought it, you know, brought it home, put it in. And I was like, mm. Mm. But I did like the last song. Um, so I don't know. I, I, I didn't like anything off Load and Reload. Not one fucking song. But that's not a ringing endorsement for saying anger. But I'm glad it made the list. Fuck them. I'm looking forward to the new album, though. Hopefully it's great. Yeah. I'm uh, a like, man. Yeah. I like the two new songs. All right. Well, another dead guy. Uh, Tim. Uh, I don't know if I'm pronouncing this right. Ironmore. He was the singer for Control Denied and Pharaoh. Control. I don't. I've never heard of Pharaoh, but. Control Denied was the last thing put out by uh, Chuck Schillinger. Uh, did you ever listen to that record? Yeah, it was like, whatever. They made two... Well, they did a posthumous album afterwards. Right, 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 right. I didn't like but, I didn't like Control Denied. I didn't like the last Death album either. I, I was already sliding off. Uh, okay, well, he's dead. So. Well, my, uh, let's see... Oh, I, I thought this was funny. Uh, Dave Mustaine, uh, uh, I guess they were talking to him about more uh, Big Four shows. And Mustaine says, why won't those guys play with us? What are they afraid of? Yeah. Uh, and the answer is nothing. <laughs> why are afraid of Megadeth? They already had Megadeth open for them. Right. You know, and again, you know Anthrax does it too. They're all clamoring for this big throw, uh, big four show because they want to play stadiums. And it's getting to the point where it's kind of pathetic. Like, you all should shut up. Be lucky that Metallica took you out once. You know, it's like, oh, let's do another big four show. You can't do another big four show because Slayer is no more. You know, so, right. you know, let it go. Right. Let it go. Right. But I'll say, you know, at least Anthrax, I mean, from what I've read, maybe there was an article I didn't read, you know, they said they would like to play him, but it's not as, like, begging as the Megadeth one is. And and I think even Slayer, uh, I think Carrie King has alluded to, you know, Mustaine's the reason why there's no more Big Four. I mean, and, and something you have to keep in context is... Uh, you know, 
following the big four shows, there was a whole thing when Metallica re-released No Life to Leather, and there was all this, you know, debacle with Mustaine about the credits and shit like that. And it, it's real. I mean, everybody knows it's Mustaine's fault. There's no more. But to act like, you know, Metallica doesn't want to go on stage after fucking Megadeth, which at this point, I mean, what the fuck is Metallica? You know, Megadeth. It's Dave Mustaine. Yeah. You know, it, it it's just fucking ludicrous. You know, and I even see this thing reaching out to uh, Marty Freeman as an act of desperation because I think I think they really built up some credibility with uh, Dystopia. You know, people really love that record, and there was a big buzz about it. And then the new one came out and just kind of hit like a turd. You know, a lot of people were like, eh, I've heard this, I've heard it better. Uh, you know, when there's all this thing about, their, you know, they're taking their time and they want to do a right follow-up to Dystopia. And then there was the whole issue with, you know, Ellipson. And God, I got to tell you the truth, I don't even know the, the good, the bad, the ugly, whatever the fuck they want to call it. Um, I don't even know if I listened to, like, the whole thing. I listen to it and it's like, okay, well, you know, it's better than like Risk, you know, and World Needs a Hero bullshit. But to me, what I heard was nowhere near dystopia level. And, and now it's like they're grasping at straws. And I really think that's what the, you know, this whole Marty Freeman thing in Japan is, is just to try to build up interest because a lot of people just lost it while other people are, you know, losing their minds over the new Metallica. Whether it be good or bad, I've, I've seen a lot of people don't like the new Metallica songs. Myself, I liked them, even the second song. Uh, I thought it was decent, but it's like, God damn, Mustaine. Stop shooting yourself in the fucking foot. Well, he, you know, come on, this ain't nothing new. He's been doing this since the incarnation of Megadeth. All he does is bash on these dudes. Every chance yeah. he gets. Every chance he gets. Anyway, just to change the subject, uh, going back a little bit. Now you were talking about the Rolling Stones. Right. I saw Jimmy Shelter the other day. I haven't seen that in so long. Oh, yeah. I want to reenact a line that Mick Jagger says in Gimme Shelter. All right? Here we go. All right. <clears throat> Why are we fighting, Cave? Why are we fighting? Thank you. <laughs> uh, love me some fucking stones. Hell yeah. But, you know, I haven't seen the Stones since the uh, Bridge to Babylon tour uh, in Miami. I've um, seen them. And I, I don't know if I'd go at this point because to me the Stones have kind of fallen into uh, that same rut as a predictable set list. And God damn, you want to talk about a band that has a catalog, you know, could pull out all this fucking you know, amazing stuff that hasn't been done or hasn't been done in a long time. But they're really not much different than Motley Crue and, and Death Leopard is pulling out this safe, predictable, you know, start me up, jumping jack, flash, you know, I don't know. And, and for what they charge to go see them, I mean, and Stones are probably... I mean, they are my favorite rock and roll band of all time, but, you know. I don't know. Stone should never be mentioned in the same sentence as Def Leppard and Molly Crew. 
I don't care how fucking familiar their set list, drawn out. <laughs> <laughs> Good point. No way you should mention that band associated with those two other bands. Okay, good point. Kick me in the ass in Nashville. All right, well, well, here's something that uh, I don't give a shit about, but Stephen Kirsch and Mark Allen Taylor will love. Uh, Richie Sambora is apparently in talks with Bon Jovi about a reunion. He says, we have to get out there and do it for the fans. But here's my thing. Do you think that most Bon Jovi fans nowadays that currently go and see this shit, do you think they give a shit about the guitar player or do they just want John Bon Jovi? He's been filling up arenas. Obviously, they don't care. Yeah. Back, it ain't going to bring no more asses in the seat. Yeah, I, I, I feel the same way. I mean, I am. I'm very surprised about their ability to still sell out shows. I mean, that's just mind-boggling. Uh, but yeah, I, I think they really don't care. I think soccer moms just care about seeing Bon Jovi. Uh, soccer moms? And, and, and Let me tell you something. Soccer moms and some of our listeners. <laughs> that's fucking sad. <laughs> Yeah, you're right. You're right about that. Oh my God. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I don't even know where I'm going with this, but it's it's just it, it's crazy. They're all in their fucking sixties. We're all gonna die soon. I'm looking at this shit. All the bands we love are like in their sixties and seventies, man. It, it's it's a rough fucking time. I, I really I, I I can name I can name about three bands that I give a shit about that are fucking like under forty, for Christ's sake, you know. And and to me that speaks to the sadness of rock and roll in two thousand twenty three. Two thousand twenty three. Look, we've been suffering since Lemmy, since the Ramones, <laughs> the Ramones and Motorhead are no longer around. This world sucks. Those two bands, man, the Ramones and Motorhead. You're never going to see them again. I mean, right there, it's like, yeah, and you know, you got your Van Halens and the bigger acts. Yes, I, I put them all in the same boat. But, man, that's why, man, I, I got to stress, like, what I saw last night. But, you know, I know a majority of our listeners, I mean, wouldn't do this. But, man, go see, you know, these bands that are touring America and little clubs, and they've been around for 30 years, busting their ass, and just go support, man. Go support these fucking bands, because to me, that's the last venture. Fuck these arena shows with their tapes yes. and shit. You know, but you know, I mean, it's sad, dude. It's sad how people don't look into other bands that just stuck in this rut of arena acts, and it's really fucking yeah. sad. You know, I, I mean, it was a good turnout last night, but still, it was a club. You know what I mean? It's, yeah. You know, it's. So do that. I mean, for me, man, after last night, I'm like, dude, and I've seen some great shows recently. You know, I saw Hibernus, I saw Monstrosity, I saw, uh, you know, that, uh, uh, fuck, uh, God damn it, MRSA, Hellwitch, you know, all these fucking bands, uh, well, Mephishin, man. But it was all the same club. These little clubs, but it's such a great thing. And let me tell you something. 
this is another great thing about this club I go to in. And I know this ain't gonna sound good, but I'm getting old. I'm getting up. There. <laughs> yeah. That, that club at eleven o'clock turns into a disco club. So they got <laughs> they gotta have everything out there by eleven. And for me, dude, going to a show and leaving at eleven is paradise, man. It's like, yeah, this whole fucking go home now, man. I I'm not this guy that no. stay up to four in the morning anymore. No, I, I will agree with you there. And that's one thing, you know, I missed about Chicago is, you know, Chicago is very much a union town. So when the union says the show shut down, the show shut down. But if need be, they started earlier. And maybe maybe it's because we're both getting ready for the Bluebird special. It's like I'll show up early as long as I can leave on time. <laughs> I know the all these bands, these shows I go to at the place start super early, like four in the afternoon. Yeah, you know? yeah. Well, yeah. New Orleans was terrible because New Orleans never closed down. You know, so so many shows would start so late in New Orleans, and it was a bitch. And I'm still. Uh, you know, I still haven't seen a show yet here in, in the Seattle area, but there's a bunch coming up like in the early, you know, late spring, early summer that uh, that I want to get to. But yeah, I feel you there. But uh, OK, here's something funny. Your buddy, your buddy, Michael Sweet. Yeah. Pra praises Christians for spending 20 million dollars on Super Bowl ads. Uh, did you watch? Did you watch the Super Bowl this year? No, I never watched the Super Bowl. Okay, well, well, I, I watched it, and yeah, there was a bunch of uh, Jesus commercials. Ah, and you know, whatever, that's all good and fine. But I'm thinking to myself, twenty million dollars on Super Bowl ads. What 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 could twenty million dollars do uh, to help the poor and disenfranchised? Which uh, you know, Christianity is, is supposed to help. You know, uh, you're supposed to take like a vow of poverty and shit like that. But um, twenty million dollars to put some Jesus commercials out there. Uh, that's why I don't donate to the church. What do you think? Um, Jesus is my Lord and Savior, and <laughs> I I fully endorse praising the name of Jesus. Then feeding some poor fucks in the street. Amen. Yeah, I well, you know what? You bring up a good point, you know? Because they just need to die. And then it's it's less of a burden on society. But unless, uh, unless the poor believe in my Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, that we must save them to spread the word to the world. Yeah. Well, I say if they believe in Sammy Hagar, give them a bowl. I mean, uh, you know, kill them. If they love David Lee Roth, give them some soup. That's where I stand. But $20 million, I can think of a better way to spend it. We should get $20 million to go to Rockin' Pod. That's what I think. You know, I was speaking with my Lord and Savior last night, Jesus. Yeah. Yeah, he cuts my lawn too. Hey, Sus. Anyway, I'm talking to him, and he says to me, I fucking hate Sammy Hagar. I'm like, Right on, Jesus. Yeah, well, I mean, he did bring up some good points. I don't agree with everything, but when he's right, he's right. Yeah, and he said, in the history of mankind, I've never hated anybody. 
but goddamn, I hate that Sammy Hagar. And let me tell you something. He goes, Dr. Fuck, listen to me. If you were to murder Sammy Hagar, I'd turn a blind eye. So That's all you need to know. Yeah, he's still going to welcome me in heaven, even after murder. It's awesome. All right. Well, now we'll we'll, uh, we'll hear some wisdom from somebody who, unlike Jesus, you can prove exists. And that's Satchel from Steel Panther. He says Vince Neil looks really good and is taking care of himself. Have you seen any of the new Motley Crue videos uh, that they've put out from the new shows with John Five? And what yeah. do you think? Yeah, and what I think about that is that, wow, wow, Steel Panther really wants in on that stadium show. <laughs> yeah, I, I saw the footage. Uh, I mean, I think uh, John Five sounds great. But what a, what a horrible set list. And I even saw a post that somebody made on, on her Facebook page, like, God damn. You know, you would think bringing in somebody new, it might, you know, entice them or excite them to bring out some different shit. And what a horrible, boring fucking set list. Did, um, you, did you see what they changed in the set list? No, what did they change? Well, they changed the song that they actually play good, but they never play good live. It sucks, sucks live as well, but they took out White Punks on Dope. I like that cover they did on New Tattoo. I thought it was pretty good. I they, did too. Oh, they, I, did. I, I liked it. Well, they replaced it with a, oh my God, so bad, dude. Blitzkrieg Bob. Oh, oh, God they, damn. They do it so bad. It's like, God damn. Uh, and, and that's the funny thing. I mean, I think the greatest trick the Ramones ever pulled was to make their music sound simple when it's actually not. Yeah, it's hard to play, especially the drums. Yeah, exactly. Like like Marky Ramone would say, you know, like you, you think this is like, you know, basic stupid shit. He goes, but try playing, you know, whatever rhythm that is constantly you know over those songs and stuff uh you know you you have to be good to do it and uh i mean i can't think of really any ramon songs where i i think anybody ever nailed it at all no at all i, I mean and, it, and you even go to you know like the rob zombie tribute album there's some decent ones, and like even Kiss does. Uh, what's the one Kiss does? Do you remember uh, Rock and Roll Radio? Great cover. Yeah, yeah, not not horrible, but musically it has none of the oomph. Yeah, no. You know that I, that that the Ramones get it. I will agree. Like the Kiss cover, I really like, but it doesn't come close to the original, and that goes for any other people. Oh, you can't. There's oh, only yeah. one band that can pull it off. And they're called the Gramones. This motherfucker, <laughs> he's the reincarnation of Joey uh, Ramon. You wouldn't, you wouldn't believe what you're seeing. Punch up the Gramones online and watch this dude sing. And it's like, he looks like Joey and he sounds like Joey. It's like, dude, is this, did Joey die? Seriously, it's scary how good it sounds. Yeah. It's scary, you know? Well, yeah, everybody else can kiss my ass. 
Yeah. All right. Well, uh, let's see. What do we got for next story? I'm looking to see if we have anything. Well, well, well sticking with Motley Crue, while you look for another story, I'll talk about this. Steven, All right. Stephen Piercy recently came out and said that Nikki uses bass tracks. Well, he's not playing live either. Yes. You know, so. Yes, I, I, I did, I did see that, and it wouldn't surprise me one bit. Nope. Uh, you know, and, and Nikki's even said in past interviews that they've been doing shit like this since the Girls, Girls, Girls tour. You know, that they've been using technology uh, to enhance their shows. Except for Vince. That motherfucker's lying. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and again, that's why this motherfucker, him and Mick Mars are by far, you know, the, the two guys I would want to hang out with. Because neither one of them gives a fuck. Yeah. You know. Uh... All right. Okay. Last story. Now, this is something I think uh, I really want to talk to you about and see how you feel about this. Um, violence confirms that Perry Strickland's departure, uh, you know, but but disputes claims that he quit. Uh, they're, they're, he says he quit. They said he got kicked out. What do you think about this? Do you know anything that's going on behind the scenes here? I sure don't, but man, I gotta tell you, man, this band's a fucking mess. It's a fucking mess. They get rid of Bobby, now this guy, who's the original drummer. I'm like, yeah, they can get somebody good or whatever, but still, man, god damn. Chill out with the replacements, you know? Because obviously Perry did not quit. He was fired. That was what that thing said. It didn't say he was fired, but they came out and said, just to let you all know, Perry uh, did not, or no, no, they said, nobody quit violence, which means yeah. they dumped him, you know? And it's like fucked up, you know? But fuck, man. Yeah. It breaks my heart. Yeah, and now it's, it's getting really diluted because now all you have is Phil and Sean, and you know what? I could give two rats ass. I know how much this band means to you. Uh, you know, and, and I liked that, that EP that they put out. I even told you, shit, I like that better than, you know, Eternal Nightmare and the shit that I heard off of them. I, I thought Sean sounded better vocally, uh, and I was excited for it. But, you know, I, I think about you as a hardcore fan, uh, it's got to be weird to see this reunion slowly, like every couple months or years, getting whittled down. I mean, when they first got back together, it was everybody but um, Rob Flynn, you know. And now you're down to two, and uh, it just and even I didn't begrudge them with with the Bobby Gutherson thing because I do totally understand they're an East Coast, I mean a West Coast band, and he still lives in Florida. Uh, I love what he added. I mean, Bobby's a great guitar player. But, you know, that one at least made kind of sense to me. Why they would get rid of Perry, who was there from the beginning. I mean, I don't know. I mean, I know they're getting older, and that's tough music to play. You know, it's not easy shit. But, uh, yeah, it sucks. If you're going to go out there and call it violence and now you're down to just 
two guys. You know, that that'd be like having Jeff Young and, and Dave Ellison calling it Megadeth. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Just get to that point. Yeah. Well, before we get into the review, I got a new theme song. Oh, okay. Yeah, here we go. It's uh <clears throat> Now it's time for Ralph's News. All right, this is my new theme song for Ralph's News. All right. All right, this is the 52nd time. It's okay to say Ralph first. Ralph's News. Yeah, I love that. Dude, that shit had a major ring to it. I was tapping my toes and slapping my knee during that. All right, story number one. Get ready for this one, Ian. Sammy Hagar uh, says Metallica owes him $200. Now, yes. the reason Metallica owes him $200 is because back in 1988, Sammy Hagar said to Metallica, your next album is going to go quiet. And they bet him 200 bucks it wouldn't. Two of them paid Sammy Hagar, two of them didn't. And I got to say, the two that didn't are the coolest members of Metallica, unless... One of them is Jason Newstead. That guy is a bitch. Everybody gives that guy a free pass. You know, the guy that played on loads and shit. Oh, yeah, he was great here. Yeah. I was Metallica's bitch. And he finally woke up and left the band. But before that, he was his bitch. So if he didn't pay back Sammy Hager 200 bucks, well, he probably can't now. But, you know, fuck him. What do you think of that story? Well, I, I, I think it, it's kind of clickbait because I saw this story too. But the true story is that it's not Metallica, but Lars Ulrich uh, owes Sammy Hagar $200. Because Sammy Hagar, I mean, Lars Ulrich said, if you ever put out right here, right now on vinyl, I'll buy two copies. <laughs> That's the way I heard it. Wow. That's next, next Ralph story. Brian May wonders if Queen invented thrash metal. Well, I personally, <laughs> as Ian laughs, I personally think they did. I think they were the first proto-thrash band. I mean, wrote proto-thrash songs. Or Great Battle and Stone Cold Crazy are thrash songs. And there was nothing that sounded that thrashy. Before that, not a symptom of the universe came out after both of them. So I would say, yeah, they, they, well, I wouldn't say they invented thrash metal. They did the proto thrash. The thing closest to that, and it's not even a thrash song, but it's got a thrash riff, is every, everybody's got something high except for me and my monkey has the little crunch, like, gun, 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 gun. but that's not a proto thrash song. So yeah, I would say, I would have to agree with Mr. Brian May. What do you think? Um, well, I would say, I don't know, more than I would say they were like proto-thrash. They were probably uh, like proto-Aerosmith when they wrote Who Wants to Live Forever off of a different kind of magic. You know, that, that, that would predict the way metal would go. Horrible fucking balance. I would give them more of that than credit for thrash. Well, I'm not That's saying, it. I'm not agreeing with Brian May that they invented thrash metal. I just said they did a couple, a couple songs that were yeah. proto-thrash. I mean, they, I mean, you listen to Metallica's Don't Go Crazy. Not that different. And Ordinary Battle's even thrashier than that. 
So I would have to say, you know, yeah. All right. Yeah, I, I, I know, I know, Stone Cold Crazy. I love it. I don't know the other song you were talking about off the first. Is is that on the first album or the second album? The second album, but the first album has a song called "Old Time Rock and Roll" that is almost proto thrash, very close to it. So yeah, the first two albums contained a song that was, to me, total proto uh, proto thrash. You know. Uh, YouTube's got a new drummer called Bram Van Den Berg. All right, next story. Uh, <laughs> let's see here. Um, looking, I'll edit this out. Uh, or maybe I won't edit it out. You know, I haven't been editing lately, Ian. You know? <laughs> I just been, yeah. <laughs> I've been editing our bathroom breaks and just throwing music on. And just when, you know, I'd throw a song, and then when that song, I, I'd fast forward to the end of the song. I just like, and I just look for the little, quiet, <laughs> I look for the quiet spots in the thing and I'm like, okay, there you go. All right. Uh, Roger Water won't hold back political statements. Wow. I would have never known. Wow. <laughs> really? He's powerful. Oh. I never noticed that. Oh my God. Did you hear about the new uh, dark side? Yeah. Oh. Horrible. Oh, horrible. I, haven't I haven't heard it. Well, well, no, 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 but a horrible idea. I don't know. Did you hear? Uh, I didn't get to see. I, I saw the previous tour. I didn't get to see his most recent tour. His previous tour was one of the greatest shows I've ever seen in my life. Just in fucking incredible. I was there. I saw his recent yeah. too. Yeah. And he did this new version of Comfortably Numb, uh, minus the guitar solo. And I thought it was just horrible. Horrible, horrible. Shame, shame, shame. I, I thought it was ridiculous. And, you know, there's a lot of shit in the news about, you know, this uh, statement that David Gilmore's wife put out about how, what a shitty person waters is and then david gilmore said yeah i agree kind of shit but what we didn't know is like it was right after that that it was announced about this new version of um dark side he's doing with no guitar and him doing all the vocals um i just think he's lost his fucking mind I, I, I love Roger Waters. I love and, and respect him, uh, you know, to a point. But when he starts trying to rewrite history like this because of his beef with Gilmore, uh, yeah, no, no, you, you fucking, you lost the point. You lost the point. You're a fucking weird, old, fucking grouchy son of a bitch. You don't, you don't fuck with Dark Side of the Moon. I mean, come on. Come on, it's bad enough that horrible version. I mean, what did you think of that version of Comfortably Known? I guess you saw it, so what did you think? Ah, it was good there. I mean, but it was, um, as I recall, I may be wrong, but as I recall, you didn't see the band play it. I think it was just the video. It's what opened the show. Oh, no, 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 he did sing. Yeah, it was. Right. Yeah, it was, it was fine. It was all right. But, but yeah, come on. 
comparing it to the original is ridiculous. You know? Yeah, you know, it, it, it's like re-recording Stay Hungry. Can't oh, that's true. <laughs> oh. All right, let me look for another story here before we go on to this oh-so-easy-awesome review on my end. Um, one of NXS members struggles with Devil Inside. I guess the song, right? Not like he's possessed or anything, right? I, I, I have no idea. Oh, well, you know, next story. 25 years ago, Billy Idol played uh, Punk Cupid in The Wedding Singer. Man, this website sucks. What kind of news is that? <laughs> <laughs> what the fuck? Oh, look at is, this. is it? This one was actually Is this speak? This is uh is this classic rock news. Oh, I thought it was freeform rock news. Yeah. Uh, uh this was actually good, but still, what the fuck is the story about another anniversary? Thirty years ago in this rule, Chris Farley interviewed Paul McCartney on SNL. That was awesome. That is Oh god, it was classic so as fuck, man. You know, come on. <laughs> Remember when you were in the Beatles? <laughs> <laughs> like, it, it was a lie you died, right? <laughs> oh, man. Great fucking... Good shit. Yeah. So, uh... uh oh, uh, Dave Piano Murphy has passed away. You know who that is? Is that from the Blues Brothers? I don't know. No, no, not the Blues oh, Brothers. Okay. Uh, next story. He's de- oh, by the way, he's dead. Okay. He died. Okay. Rest in peace to all his family and did he have fans? I guess. I don't know. Ozzy Osbourne and Bonnie Raitt lead classic rock Grammy. <laughs> you know, uh, you know, let's talk about that. Ozzy won a Grammy for that last album. You know, it's like, come on. No, no. I'm sorry. Two Grammys for patient number nine. And people still, yeah. you know, gloat about that. Our, our friend Mark, by the way, check out Rock. What is it? Freeform Rock Podcast. Uh, it's me saying it, not Ian. Uh, yeah, he was glowing about it. Ah, Ozzy won and Ghost Lost. And it's like, yeah, but it's the Grammys. Uh, oh, yeah. M- Melinda Dill- Dillon died. Yeah, that sucks. Yeah. But she was like 80, 83, you know? Hey, my parents are like 88, so you know, that's young. Yeah. I just keep saying that to myself. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Every, every, everybody's dying. Everybody worth their shit is dying. Yeah, Raquel Welch just died. Yeah. Oh, man. It was hot. Yes. Hot, hot, hot. Tight, tight, tight. All right, final story. I don't know, man. I'm a huge fan of Sabbath, and I really would like to see this, but I still, I don't know. Tony Iommi's excited about a Black Sabbath ballet. I don't know if I, I don't know. I I see it because I'm a fucking Sabbath fan, but man. I mean, unless they're up there like, you know, like fucking, uh, what is it? She's a maniac. What was the name of that movie? She's a maniac. Flashdance. Yeah, if it's like Flash Dance, everybody running all over the place to Sabra Cadabra, then I'll go see it. 
Yeah, I don't. I I I think I draw the line at Jazz Sabbath, which I love. By the way, uh, there's two jazz versions of Black Sabbath. There's Jazz Sabbath and Brown Sabbath. Um, one of them, and I think I think it's Jazz Sabbath involves Adam Wakeman, son of Rick Wakeman from Yes, mm-hmm. who did play on, uh, you know, a couple of uh, Black Sabbath albums. Um, and I dig it, man. I, I really love it. But I, I love jazz. So I get into it. But ballet? No. I hate ballet. I hate opera. Uh, you know, unless there's like gratuitous nudity, nudity and like violence. Uh, not interested. Yeah. Neither am I. Uh, by the way, one last story. And this really offended me. Like if this website ain't shitty enough. Sorry about Ralph's news, everybody. Listen, look at this one. It says, listen to Depeche Mode's new song, Ghost Again. Fuck you, I ain't gonna listen to that. What do you think of that, Ian? Uh, I'll check it out. I, I do uh, like Depeche Mode. Uh, what, do you think, what do you think of them telling me that, though? I mean, come on. That's yeah, that's, uh, yeah, yeah, you're not gonna do it. Yeah, man, fuck you, classic rock. By the way, tune in next week. I'll have some more shitty stories from that. Yeah. And that was Shitty Stories of the Week with Ralph. Yeah, with Ralph. (laughs) All right. Well, now we'll go into why you're all here. Uh, We are doing Aerosmith, and this is one of those ones, uh, you know, I did the shout out on the show uh, for the list of people who donated, but I didn't have an album from you. Uh, you know, get in touch with me. Well, this guy did Josh Hill, and holy fuck, did he give us a great selection to choose from. Uh, he threw us five albums that were all incredible. Really good choices. Uh, one we had done already, though, um, but the rest were all phenomenal ones, but this was a, like a last minute. I'm like, hey, Ralph, can you record today? He's like, yes. So I tried to keep it easy. Uh, And we are doing Aerosmith's Toys in the Attic. And in my opinion, what a great pick, (laughs) you know, Um, because I I think it's it's an album people are interested in hearing about. Uh, Yes, it is a popular album, but uh, I got to admit, we've had so many weird fucking picks lately. And no offense, you guys all want to hear what you want to hear, but man, I enjoy one like this that might not only appeal to us, our listeners, but we might get some new listeners with this. So, uh, unlike uh, Adam Marshall doing Sadist, <laughs> some people might check out the show for the first time uh, with this review. I'm more than happy to do it. Now, what do I think of this album that's coming up later? But I, I was interested. I was doing some background check. I was like, fuck, how many Aerosmith albums have we done? This is our fifth Aerosmith album uh, that we've done. We've done uh, Rock in a Hard Place, Night in the Ruts, Rocks, and Get Your Wings. So this is number five on our Aerosmith list, but, but one that I'm surprised we haven't got more... Um, requests for this band because they are fucking legendary uh whether you know 
It's what's become of them, but uh, you can't deny what got them where they are. So I was very excited to do this review. And uh, in preparation, I not only listened to this album, but I listened to a entire hour of Aerosmith, you know, that unrelated to this album, right before we broadcast. And I had to tell Ralph I was going to be a couple minutes late because I had to finish uh, listening to Seasons of Wither before we were done. I had to hear it. So, very excited to talk about this one, and I know Ralph is as well. But Ralph, how did Aerosmith first come under your radar? How did you find out about these guys? It's been too long. I can't tell you that. But I can tell you, I bought Toys in the Attic in the 70s. I had, it was one of the albums I went out and bought. So I remember I had the first one too. Can't remember which one I got first. I believe it was the first one, but I absolutely love this album, and I, I bought it on the strength of the hits, and uh, then I ended up falling in love with the other songs, and now, so many years later, boy, there's a song on here, I gotta say, it's like neck and neck with, with uh, you know, my favorite song, Season of Wither. It's like almost there. I mean, so close to it. It's tickling its butt. Wow. It's so good. My second favorite Aerosmith song's on here. And I did an episode on my YouTube page about Toys in the Attic where I said, and I still stand by this, this is not my favorite Aerosmith song, album. I'll put it above rock, barely, but I will. And it mainly because of that one song, but this whole album to me is solid. Not a bad song on it, a couple played out tunes, but it's not a bad song. This is a band on fire, on drugs. They were fucking awesome. And this is their third album where I really feel this album, like the two before, are awesome. Got nothing bad to say about them. But this one kind of sounded more like Aerosmith, where they found their niche. Like, uh, more like Steven Tyler. His voice became more Steven Tyler than it did. You heard it more on the second album. The first album, it's unrecognizable. But on this one, I feel like it's Steven Tyler 100%. This is an amazing fucking album amazing and it deserves to have sold as much as it has because you know I, I know this sold more than rocks and rocks has some amazing songs but at least these songs got out enough you know that people all right i like uh walk this way i like to be much let me go buy this album with those songs and then they hear the rest of it like i did i'm talking about 70s kids because we were cool and we heard the rest of this album we're like motherfucker this band is awesome uh, that's all i gotta say Awesome. Well, I am going to ask you, when we, we when we are done with this review, I want to do a ranking of the 70s uh, Aerosmith studio albums. All right. And I'd, be, I'd be interested interested to see where this falls. Um, with me, I remember this album in particular being in my dad's record collection. Um, but I first came to know Aerosmith with the Run DMC Walk This Way. God, you're gay. I know, gay as fuck and 80s to the core. Um, and I loved it at the time. And I remember, uh, you know, after that song was a big hit, going back, well, hey, I think my dad's got an Aerosmith record. Let me check it, check it out. So I checked this out and I hated the original version of Walk This Way. I thought it sucked. Wow. I'm like, oh, this ain't cool like the Run DMC version. 
And now I'm, you know, the complete opposite. Now, like, I never want to hear the Run DMC version. I mean, there's, like, you know, sentimental thing. It takes me back to being in, like, seventh grade or whatever I was in when this, when it came out. But, uh, but yeah, at, at first listen, I was like, eh. You know, and then when Permanent Vacation came out, and, you know, Dude Looks Like a Lady was all over the place, I was like, okay, so bought that and then i went backwards and discovered this amazing band that uh unfortunately in my mind is just whittled down to something just as bad as what kisses if not worse because i think this band has more potential than kiss and doesn't use it but uh I've seen this band live once, only once. I saw them on the Pump Tour. Um, I don't know if I would go see them again if they came around. I want to, but I don't know if I want to see what they're doing now. Um, but I, I have an interesting opinion of this album. I, I think Ralph and I will differ. But I, I think it's safe to say we both love, love 70s Aerosmith. And I think they're an incredible band. And I had so much fun not only listening to this album, but like I said, you know, the hours of listening to other Aerosmith uh, proceeding doing this review. But Ralph, you were there back in the day. Why don't you take the opening track, the title track, Toys in the Attic? Ripping song. Always play live when I see them. I saw them like 10 years ago. They were amazing. Other than the shitty song, though. Um, I love this song. It's fast. Uh, love the backing vocals. Toys! Toys in the attic! And um, Stevie's, uh, Steven's snotty attitude in the vocals. It's just a ripping opening track. Absolutely love it. All right. Um, I, I think it, it's okay. I think it's an okay opener, an okay, you know, title track, but it's never been a favorite of mine. Um, I think they would do kind of redo this song and do it 10 times better on the next album with Rats in the Cellar. I kind of see those two as kind of the same song, but I see Rats in the Cellar as a better version of this. Uh, this one was released as a B-side to uh, You See Me Crying, and uh, which I, I feel is a superior song. I don't hate the song. Uh, th there's nothing like really bad I can say about it, but I just think they've had stronger songs. And again, I, I think they redid it and did it better with Rats in the Cellar. But not, not, not horrible. All right, well, I'll take the next song, Uncle Salty. Um, always liked the darkness and the creepiness of this one, even before I knew what it was about. Uh, I like dark Aerosmith uh, much more than, like, you know, silly or funny shit they would kind of delve into, especially later in their career. Um, but there's just something always... You know, when I first heard this, you know, I, I, I didn't equate what the lyrics were about, but I knew there was a darkness about it, and I loved it. And I think it's so funny 
you know, if you pay attention to what's going on in the news now, Steven Tyler is in the midst of a uh, lawsuit over this, you know, little kitty basically was fucking in the 70s and took away from her parents. And now she's suing him. And in this day and age, you know, the world we live in, who knows <laughs> how that shit's going to end up. I know the 70s were a different time, but uh, I don't know. I've always found it creepy when people want to fuck little kids. I, I never got that. Even when I was a teenager, you know, I mean, I mean, don't get me wrong. I wanted to bang other teenagers, but I was about like older chicks, you know, I wanted older women. And I find it creepy that like, you know, guys in their 20s want to fuck a 14 year old. Uh, but uh, regardless, it's a great song. I love Uncle Salty. What do you think, Ralph? Love it. Absolutely love it. There's just something about that time when you would buy a record in the 70s and you didn't have a lot of records and you'd play it over and over and over again. It shit gets embedded in you. This song has a nice a nice um, vibe to it. I like it too a lot as the second song too. I think it's a nice placement. Put it after the blistering toys in the attic. Slow it down a little bit. Not really a heavy song, but it's an awesome song. I absolutely love it. What's next, Adam's Apple? Yep. Oh man. Then they ramp it up. This song fucking rules. She hated it. Love, love it for five. Fuck, yes. I was so happy when I was a little kid in the 80s when they released this home video. I forgot the name of it. And they had an old video clip of them doing this in the 70s. This is such a badass song, man. Fucking was it the, the, te the Texas Jam video? No. No, it had different... Uh, different clips from different shows. I don't remember the name. And it was awesome. It's an awesome live performance. You can tell they're fucked up out of their minds doing it. And uh, it's fucking amazing. And this is amazing. I absolutely love Adam's Apple. Another, this whole album is fucking amazing. Ah, what you might have been talking about was the Aerosmith video scrapbook. Yeah, I think that was it. Okay. All right. Um, I love the opening riff to this song, but the rest of it's never done much for me. And I would have to say this is my least favorite song on the album. Uh, you know, so as I'm looking at it, compared to like other Aerosmith albums of the, of the 70s, I, I don't know. I mean, I get why it's as big as it is, but... Uh, you know, out of these first three, Uncle Salty would definitely be my favorite. But yeah, this is my least favorite uh, song on the album. Just never grab me. But I'll go into the big one on this album, Walk This Way. Stone Cold fucking classic that I haven't want to hear, haven't want to hear in 30 years. Uh, there's no denying what it is. I mean, it's amazing, but the burnout factor on this um, just kills it for me. Of course, nowadays, totally prefer this version to the, you know, the collaboration with Run DMC. I, I, I never, ever want to hear that one again. 
but this one isn't far behind it. I mean, I'm just really so burned out on this song, but I cannot deny how great it is. I mean, it's it's catchy. It's got the you know, it, it's got the riff. It's got the lyrics. Everything about it is an instant classic. I just never ever ever want to hear this song again. And I was even debating when I was listening to this for a review. It's like, do I listen to it all the way through or do I skip it? And I was like, nope, I'm not going to skip it. But uh, by the end of it, there was nothing that wanted to make me repeat it. I'm, I'm just over the song, but it is a classic. What do you think, Ralph? Amazing. Uh, this song was all over the radio when it was new. This was up there with, you know, you know, radio's back different. We had Y100, which was a combination of everything. You'd hear, you know, Walk This Way, then you'd hear fucking Bee Gees, and you'd hear like Elton John and shit like that. So this was one of those songs. This and Dream On and Sweet Emotions were, you know, they, they played them on those shows, and, and that's what made me, I don't remember if it was Sweet Emotion or Walk This Way, but one of these two songs were like, I got, I need this album. Or maybe it was both songs combined. And it's a great song, man. You know, yeah, I don't, I don't need to listen to it. Uh, and by the way, I haven't even studied for this album at all. I don't have to. This shit's in my DNA. And uh, it's good. Steven's rapping before rapping was around. And, and it's just, you know, hey, little dinner, put titty in the middle. I mean, shit like that was like, as little kids in the 70s were like, whoa, you know, it's fucking new. It's just a special time that none of you kids would realize how good it was in the 70s, including you, Ian. Get off my lawn. Yeah. <laughs> All right, well, enough about that. Tell me about your big 10 inch. Love it. Um, a cover song that Dr. Demento would play sometimes, and that's where. Stephen first heard this song on Dr. The, Dr. Demento show. And it's a great little, you know, shuffle along, you know, uh, it's a novelty song. But man, when I, every time I listen to Aerosmith play this, it's like, dude, it's, it doesn't sound novelty to me. It's just, it's just a fun, dirty, innuendo song. I love Big Ten, it's a great song. Well, I love it as well. And to me, this is like David Lee Roth before David Lee Roth. <laughs> you know, the, this reminds me of shit Dave would do throughout his career. You know, like bring back these these oldies that, you know, uh, but just somehow had this coolness factor. And this song has always been cool. Uh, you know, and I, I love how he says in their autobiography, Walk This Way, he says, I never say suck on my big ten. He says set, like except, but he just says sept on my big ten inch. He goes, but nobody will believe me. <laughs> he goes, but that's what I said. Uh, it's just a fun track, and it's and it's dirty, you know, and, it, and it's dirty uh, in a in a more innocent time, you know. Nowadays, you got you know like Cardi B and Megan The Stallion singing about their wet ass pussy. Well, you couldn't do that back then. But somehow you can get away with Big Ten Inch Record. And it's just as fucking dirty. And just as sexual. 
the innuendos are all over the place, which, you know, is perfect within the realm of, of Steven Tyler, who I believe is one of the greatest lyricists of all time in rock and roll. I really, I really believe that, even though, you know, as the music would take a dip in their later career, he would still come up with some of the greatest fucking lines and was a shithouse poet right there with your, you know, your Bon Scott, uh, you know, your David Lee Roth. I mean, just the way he could turn a phrase in an innuendo. And I mean, that's why, you know, my son's named Tyler after Steven Tyler. So, I mean, he's somebody I hold in very high esteem, even though now he looks like your creepy aunt uh, that lives on a hippie commune. But uh, it's just perfect. And it's Aerosmith through the core. Uh, dig it. Well, now I will flip this album over to, in my opinion, what is one of the most perfect sides in all of rock and roll, which is side two of Toys in the Attic, and it kicks off with Sweet Emotion. And, you know, I said how, like, nauseated I am with Walk This Way, never want to hear it again. Sweet Emotion itself is very much played the fuck out. But I cannot deny what a great fucking song this is. And, you know, talk about a headphone song. And that fucking bass line from Tom Hamilton. I mean, what's crazy is this band is looked at as like, you know, the Toxic Twins. It's all about Steven Tyler and Joe Perry. Well, my favorite members of this band are the other three and what they add to it. And I mean, just everybody is on fire in this song. All five members, um, you know, the vocals, the sound effects of this. Everything it mixes. I mean, this is a perfect fucking song through and through. Which, yes, there is a burnout factor, but still, I'd much rather hear this over Walk This Way and with headphones on and some drugs in my system. I mean, I mean it's just incredible. There, there's not one note I would change in this. This is really, when you talk about perfect songs, I don't think there's... You know, you could get much better than Sweet Emotion. What do you think, Rob? Same thing. I'm going to mirror what you said. I'm sick of it, but I love it. I think it's a great song. I love the beginning, the ambiance, the, the bass line, and the little talk box. And, and then the, the chorus opens the song. And then it gets real heavy with dan 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 Can't catch me because the rapper done died. Remember some kid. In, in uh, junior high, telling me, you know what he means when the rabbit done died? I was like, yeah, get out of my face. Fuck it. Of course I know that. Even at a young age. Because we had in the 70s a movie called Rabbit Test. You ever heard of Rabbit Test? Yeah. Yeah, I know the movie. That was, um, what's her name? Um, what's the girl? Joan? Uh, the one that, that replaced Johnny Carson. Joan. Joan Rivers. Rivers. And Billy Crystal wrote that movie. I don't know if I found out about the rabbit because of that movie. But I know the whole rabbit thing. But anyway, it's a great song, dude. Is the next one No More, No More? Yes. My second favorite Aerosmith song of all time. 
right there with uh, Seasons of Wither. This song, it just can't get better than this. You know, it's like that, that. And it gets stuck in your head too. You know, it's just such an amazing, amazing, oh, what a deep track. Yeah, they have played a recent toy, but I never see That's a song I would love to see them play. Uh, no more, no more. Definitely the highlight of the album for me in my old age of listening. I've lived with this album for fucking 40 something years. And this is definitely the highlight for me on the album. Awesome song, No More, No More. Well, I love it as well. Uh, what I love is there's something so, so dreamy, but rough about it at the same time. Uh, the guitars sound, uh, I, I don't know, not like, I guess Zeppelin would be a bad thing to say, but there's just something so clean about, you know, the clean part where they're strumming, which is kind of rare for Aerosmith, you know. But then it gets dirty as well, and I just love the juxtaposition of, of those two styles in the song. And... Oh, man. I mean, and just what a one-two punch. And, you know, and my only issue with this album is the first side. The second side is really, I mean, four perfect fucking songs. Spoiler alert. Um, I, I absolutely love it. And I just want more of this out of Aerosmith than what we get nowadays. I mean, nowadays, you really don't get anything as far as new material, but... This style of Aerosmith is so just incredible. And what, what to me, rock and roll is really all about. I mean, it's down and down and dirty and primordial. And, and most, you know, what most important for me, from the hip, not from the brain, from the hip. You know, I fucking love this track. But then we will go into my favorite track on the album uh this is daddy's aerosmith right here dirty dank and dangerous jack douglas production and the biggest secret weapon of this band brad whitford i mean if you look back you know the songs he contributed to or at least gets writing credit for because as we all know a lot of times you know, people add a lot more than what they, you know, they're giving credit for in the liner notes. But I am the biggest Brad Whitford fan in the world. I mean, I mean, listen to Whitford St. Holmes. That ought to, ought to show you right there just what this guy adds to the band, but gets none of the fucking credit. It all goes to Joe Perry because Joe Perry's got that fucking look. You know, he's got that jangly style and, you know, the way he plays and everything and the combination of him and fucking Tyler. I mean, you can't deny it, but don't discredit those other three and especially Brad Whitford. Uh, this is just dirty, nasty rock and roll. And, and man, when Aerosmith did shit like this, to me, they, they were untouchable. They were like the American Rolling Stones. Um, you know, but unfortunately it would go into more like, you know, angel territory in the later half of their career. But this, I mean, I mean, shit like this and, uh, um, 
what's the one off of fucking rocks that he, he co-wrote? Uh, nobody's fault. No, yeah, nobody's fault. You know, it, it's like, oh fuck, that is my Aerosmith. That is, to me, those are the reasons why this band shouldn't be, you know, judged. Like you always say, how Metallica, like no matter what they do, they can never fuck up their legacy because of what they did on the first three slash four albums. To me, this is the, you know, the, the same thing for Aerosmith. Whatever they became, you know, however commercial they got, you cannot take away what they did in the past. Round and round, favorite fucking track on the album. Absolutely love it. What do you think, Ralph? Yeah, definitely heaviest track on the album. Smokes, man. I love the vocal effects on Steven on this. <clears throat> the heavy riffage. It's amazing. Absolutely love it. Um, what ends this? You see me crying is the last song, right? Yes, sir. I'll tell you a funny story. Last night when I came back from that show, I was hungry, but I didn't feel like cooking. So I got in my car and I went to something I barely ever eat, but I went to a Taco Bell. And I took my iPod with me. And this is before Ian told me we were going to review this album. Uh, I have my iPod on shuffle and you see me crying comes on. And I'm, you know, I'm jamming to it. I'm like, God, what a great ballad. And and honestly, I mean, I was so drained last night. I was like, is this your see me crying or what's the last song on rocks? Uh, something home, coming home? Home tonight. Home, home, home tonight. tonight. I was like, is this home tonight or you see me crying? And then, you know, then when it, even before the vocals came in, I was like, oh, you see me crying. What a great amazing ballad they repeated themselves on the next album because i love home tonight as well and uh you see me crying it's just a beautiful piano played ballad that's just you know maybe they're trying they're trying to do a dream on part two and i think they succeeded but to the mass public it didn't and uh that just shows you how the mass public is uh, full of shit i love you see me crying what a great way to end this album Great ballad. Uh, I love it as well. Uh, a damn fine ballad. Reminds me of uh, the Beach Boy song, Caroline No, which, you know, has the great line about, you know, freaking out because his girlfriend cut her hair. And of course, in, in this song, you know, it's baby, what you done to your hair. Um, but man, these guys, and it sucks they ended up making a career of it. You know with the ballads but back in the day when you would have the one ballad per hour but fuck they made it count and it just that's my thing with ballads if i can feel it if i can feel the emotion of what you're trying to do because i mean basically that's what a ballad is you're trying to evoke you know a sadness or a longing or something like that you know and when you do it right it's something that hits everybody because it's something everybody can identify with you know as a sadness or a loss or a love but when it's fake there's nothing worse I, I mean i mean think about it you know the same band that did dream on did that horrible thing from fucking armageddon you know which is so fake and you can see through it for fucking miles that this is just something to you know pacify the masses 
where something like this, I mean, I really get it. Uh, it was a song that it, it kind of infuriated the band because th this took a lot of recording and overdubbing. You know, they added an orchestra to this. And uh, it was a pain, compared to the rest of the album, this was a pain in the ass song to get done. But I don't think you can argue with the results. I mean, this is amazing. I would say my favorite Aerosmith ballad of all time is Home Tonight off Rocks. Uh, you know, I'm not going to argue probably the best they ever did was Dream On. It is probably a better song, but Home Tonight is my personal favorite. I mean, that, and that's one of the ones I'd listen to, you know, when I was doing my, my deep dive after I listened to the album. But you see me crying. What a fine fucking song. And, and what a great way to end this, not only this album, but again, I talked about earlier, Side 2, these four songs, Sweet Emotion, No More No More, Round and Round, You See Me Crying, especially for people, you know, Ralph and I age, where you identify with vinyl, or even if you're an 80s kid and you had cassette tapes, where you knew the difference from sides, you know, you're not a CD kid, where it's all just one thing, you know, there was that element of flipping it over and what was coming, you know and whether it was a tape or a record, there might be songs you skip you know, that might be so much where you would get up off your ass and move the needle or you would hit fast forward on the button side two of this for me is something I would never ever ever skip and it's just a perfect, you know bam, 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 bam four chopsticks and they grand gould as, as Bill Wang would say, um, just incredible. What a what a way to end it. But I mentioned earlier uh, that I would like to talk to Routh about. Let's do a placement of '70s Aerosmith studio albums. And uh, what would you put as your least favorite '70s uh, Aerosmith album? I'll tell you, I'm all in order. My favorite is Toys in the Attic, then Rocks, then Night in the Ruts, then the second one, then the first one, and at the bottom, Done with Mirrors. Well, Done with the Mirrors is 80s. I mean, uh, draw the line. Okay. All right. If I got to line these up, I would say my least favorite... And even though I, I actually listened to a lot of this tonight, and I kind of think, like, eh, it's not as bad as I remember. I would say my least favorite is Draw the Line. Uh, my next would be, surprise, surprise, Toys in the Attic. Then I would go uh, the first Aerosmith album. Then Night in the Ruts then rocks and my favorite Aerosmith album of the 70s is Get Your Wings by far I, I think that is just a perfect it, it's been my favorite Aerosmith album since the late 80s uh, hasn't changed um, absolutely love it so and I'd like to see you know in the comments you know when this episode is posted you know how would you guys rank your your 70s uh Aerosmith studio albums and an album I need to go back and, and check out again I know you're a big fan of it and I honestly 
I've had it since the 80s, and I don't think I've ever listened to it in its entirety, is Live Bootleg. You're a fan of that one, right, Ralph? Yeah, I love that album. Okay, I need to listen to it again, because I remember listening to it, and I found it very sloppy, and yes. not like it. And, and not like in a good way, but, uh, you know, when I was younger, it used to bother me uh, with live albums. If they deviated, you know, if it didn't have Kiss on the label and it deviated too much. But but here again, there's a thing with, you know, with the Kiss live albums. They didn't deviate that much. But when I was younger, if it, if it changed too much, it was a turnoff for me. Where now I think I appreciate changes a lot more. But uh, I need to give it another listen to, because I, re- I remember it not like making a couple songs in. It's like God, they sound like they're fucking, you know, they sound like they're drunk or they're they're as high as they are, and I I didn't appreciate it. But maybe now going back, uh, you know, I might like it a little bit more. But I, I think Aerosmith again, they're one of those bands like you talk about with Metallica. No matter what they do. They can't destroy their legacy. But, you know, the, the funny thing is, I remember, you know, coming in with, you know, the Run DMC Walk This Way, and then buying uh, Permanent Vacation right when it came out, and loving it. And now I listen to Permanent Vacation, and I'm like, man, that's some crazy night shit. <laughs> you know? It's so, like... Oh my god, it's so far removed and so fucking commercial with that fucking Morgan Fairburn production. Uh, uh, and there's elements of pump. I know you like pump more than I do, but there's some good parts there. But I mean, god, get a grip on. You know, you're lucky if you get a handful of good songs. But, you know, that being said, I, I, I listen again to a, a song I stand by. Uh, off of Nine Lives, Fall in Love is Hard on the Knees. It is so good to me musically and fucking lyrically. I'm like, God damn, that's vintage Aerosmith, even though some of it sonically is a little bit dated with the horns and shit, but the spirit is there, you know? And Jaded is a song I used to hate that I like now, but... I don't know. I, and I didn't find anything I liked on that music from another dimension. Did you ever listen to that one? I never heard it. No. Mm. I like yeah. tracks off Nine Lives. Yeah. Yeah, I like... Uh, yeah, Get a Grip sucked. Uh, I mean, I liked, it. I liked it when it came out for like a, a month. And then I was like, eh. But yeah, Nine Lives, I, I love Fall in Love is Hard on the Knees, Ain't That a Bitch, uh, I liked. I even like Pink. Uh, That's which is Shades of India. Yeah, yeah, there's some good shit. But yeah, not, nothing takes away from how great they were in the past, I think. Oh yeah. But uh yeah, there you go. So there's our review. And I would love to do some more Aerosmith uh, reviews. Even the shitty albums, I, th- I think, would be fun because it's a band I do care about and a band I, I think does have greatness. They just really lost their fucking way. 
But uh, now it's time to go into pick of the week. Do you do you have something, or is it all up to me? I got a theme song. Let's hear it. It's the only time of the week to say Ian before round pick of the week. <laughs> all righty. Well, I'm gonna keep it simple. Ralph's like sometimes I do pick of the week, and you pick five things, and then I gotta find five things to fucking sync up. Well, I just have one. And it's not an album, it's just a song and a video. But to me, it is life-changing. And I posted on the Facebook page, and I know some people checked it out, and even the the people who took the time to to watch it were like, holy shit, you were right. And I posted, um, I think I put it under, you know, because there's more than Kiss. And it's a song by King Gizzard and the Lizard Wizard called Iron Lump. And not only do I love this nine-minute epic track, to me it is the greatest video ever made. Ever made. And it, it's, it's all animation, and it's very trippy, and it's something I implore you uh, you know, if you have a 4K TV, make sure your settings on 4K when you watch this and take psychedelics. It is the most amazing video ever. And Ralph, I hope you, you know, you're on an edible. So check it out when we're done with this. King Gizzard and the Lizard Wizard, Iron Lung. Um, not only is it a great song, but it is the greatest video I've ever seen in my life and it's an experience and I hope it's a gateway to other people to King Gizzard and the Lizard Wizard and I know they're a weird band because they've been around since you know like 2013 or whatever they put out 30 albums and you know they're an indie group and one album sounds like this and one album sounds like that I mean they've had poppy albums they've had you know, indie sound albums, they put out a thrash metal album that is incredible, but they're hard to pigeonhole. You know, you can't say, oh, I like that one, so the rest are going to sound like this. They're all over the place. But it's it's just a group of, they were seven, now it's six amazing musicians. Uh, but this video will blow your fucking mind. I mean, it's just, seriously, to me, it's life-changing the art of video and the art of animation and what this can do. And I'm very excited to take some psychedelics and watch this because I I think what's great will be even better. But that is my pick of the week that everybody checks out the video for King Lizard, uh, King Gizzard and Lizard Wizard, Iron Lung. That is my pick of the week. Right on. As you know, well, you don't, I don't know, I haven't really talked to you that much. Um, this will be the last episode of the Rock and Metal Combat Podcast for like a good year before I move back to this house because I'm leaving on Tuesday. And uh, I don't have nothing to look around on, so I thought, hey, let's keep it Aerosmith-ish. Whiffer St. Holmes' first album. The Whiffer yeah. St. Holmes album. Whiskey Woman, Sharpshooter, Action, 
awesome, awesome album I bought when it was released. Love, love the hell out of this album. Check out Brad Whitford and Derek St. Holmes and Ted Nugent. They're really so solid. And their their second album is good too. But man, I'm picking the first one. What an amazing hard rock. Oh, hell yeah. Amazing hard rock. Hell yeah. Yeah, and I will say the second album's not bad. It's not bad, but it ain't the first one. No. But no, that's a great pick of the week. All right, well, now it's time to go into our fan of the week, and that is Josh Hill. And uh, Josh Hill is another old-school guy here at the Rock and Metal Combat podcast and the Facebook page. And this is his second uh, Aerosmith album that we reviewed, thanks to him. Uh, I think the first one we did was Rocks, was one he picked for a previous donation. So this guy not only loves the show, but like gives multiple donations and I'm very happy to do this for him. Yeah. And, uh, for those who didn't know, uh, his choices uh, for his album, we got to pick, and, and and I picked, so you know I should take the, the blame or the credit for this, but he picked The Wall, uh, Soundgarden, Super Unknown, uh, Black Sabbath, Sabbath, Bloody Sabbath, uh, this album, and I forget what the other one was, but it was another. They were all incredible albums uh, to pick from. And I, I just want to thank you, Josh, because, you know, not only have you stuck around through the years, but, you know, multiple donations. And uh, hope you enjoyed this episode, man. Obviously, he's an Aerosmith fan, so I, I think he will. And, uh,. And again, like I said, I would love to see in the comments for this. Everybody, give your list for, you know, rank your 70s Aerosmith. Or if you want to, do their whole discography. If you want to list everything. But to me, 70s Aerosmith is what you really can't fuck with. You can't say, eh, well, you know, it's all good. Even Draw the Line, goddamn, it has some great fucking shit. And I really don't think it's as bad as most people fucking say i think the other albums are just that much you know it's just, it has two songs i don't care for but the rest gets up well what are the ones you don't like i don't like bright night fright and no cow blue yeah love the rest yeah yeah i i hear you i i think uh uh bright light bright lights big city whatever the fuck it's called yeah that one's kind of ass and I do think it's funny, Sight for Sore Eyes was co-written with uh, David Johansson, who Steven Tyler and David Johansson were banging the same chick. Wow. Which is kind of interesting. Great song. But but that is our review, and this is, oh, God, our last episode recorded at your house for right now till it yep. gets remodeled. Um, sorry. So there you go. And uh, I, I can't implore enough. If you can, get your ass to Tennessee so you can hang out with us and witness the death of Mark Allen Taylor and Bushy. Yeah. I mean, that, that alone, besides the fact that, you know, you get to meet fucking Eddie Fingers Ojea, you know, come on. <laughs> you know, get your ass to Nashville. And Mars. Yes. 
And if you like that, come back next week when we're out to be recorded from a new location. But it's still going to be kick-ass. It's going to be awesome. Right here on the Rock and Metal Combat Podcast. Smack them a god.